Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Greetings in the name of King Jesus who lives and reigns and moves among us. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians that he holds all things together as our resurrected and ascended Lord. My prayer is that Jesus is doing that for you in these days. I'd like to welcome you to the online gathering of Samanac Baptist Church for Sunday, April 25th. I'm glad that you're able to join us through this technology. If you'd like to join us for in-person worship, we gather every Sunday at Samanac Baptist Church at 10 a.m. SBC families and uh, local people here on uh, this technology, just a couple of announcements. Mondays at Samanac Baptist Church in our community center um, is quite the busy night at 5 p.m. Uh, in the yoga room, which is on the second floor on the far east side of the building. Jen Penn leads a yoga class from five o'clock to six o'clock. And then beginning at six, we have community pickleball. We've got two courts set up in the gym. Uh, Many people from the area have been taking advantage of this. SBC family, this is an opportunity for us to get to know people in our community, develop relationships and seek to bless them through the facility that God has provided for us. Speaking of our community center, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoons, if you're local and uh, you'd like to come into our gym and just get those steps in, do some walking, basically every afternoon we like to open up that gym uh, for people who'd like to get those steps in, kind of in out of the weather, especially during these spring rains. Contact uh, myself or uh, call the church office, and uh, we'd love to tell you how we can help you out in that way. Also, Thursday evenings in our fellowship hall, we have in-person Bible study at 6 p.m. every Thursday night. We'd like to welcome you to be a part of uh, that experience as well. Our psalm of invocation on this fourth Sunday of the Easter season is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 calls us to worship with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. 
This is God's word. Would you pray together with me, please? Oh God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and grant that we also may follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Father, through your Son, our Good Shepherd, would you lead us this day beside quiet waters? Would you restore our souls? Would you mend and heal what is broken? Would you lead us in the right path for your namesake? Would your rod and staff comfort us as we go through dark valleys? Would you ensure us of your goodness and mercy following us through all of our days? We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord and all of us said together, amen. Our reading from the Gospels this morning comes from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Jesus says to us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the gospel of King Jesus. Thanks be to God. John chapter 10 is the text that I want us to pay attention to together this morning. And I want us to understand John chapter 10 in light of what John says is the purpose that he wrote this gospel. If you read at the end of John's gospel, he says this, many other things, in fact, libraries could not contain a record of all that Jesus said and did. But John says, I have written these things that you may believe on the Son of God, that you may come to believe on the Son of God, and having come to believe, you may have life in his name. So here's what John anticipates. John anticipates his readers reading these accounts again and again and again. And having read these accounts, 
long after Jesus rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and sent the Spirit so that by the Spirit it could be true what we said at the beginning of this gathering, that Jesus Christ is alive, that he lives and reigns and moves among us so that then we could read texts like John chapter 10 and understand that Jesus now, by the Spirit, mystically is appearing to us and the image that Jesus wants to have of him and his presence among his people is the one who is for us a good shepherd. So before we look at John chapter 10 together, would you pray together with me one more time? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Lord Jesus, wherever any of us finds ourselves, if we find ourselves in the presence of our enemies, if we find ourselves in the darkest valley, if we find ourselves lost, afraid, broken, would you be for us through this good news, our good shepherd? We pray through the Son and by the Spirit and all of us said together, Amen. Good morning, class. We have a pop quiz. I'd like you to take out a blank sheet of paper and a pencil. This quiz will be a true-false quiz. There will be seven questions, and you must respond to each of these seven questions with one of two answers, true or false. True or false, Abraham Lincoln had no middle name. True or false? The answer to that question is true. Abraham Lincoln had no middle name. Second question, true or false? Broccoli was once banned from the White House. True or false? Broccoli was once banned from the White House. The answer to that is true. In 1990, George H.W. Bush banned the, veg the vegetable from that house on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. Third question, true or false? True or false? In the spirit of David Letterman, porcupines can float. Porcupines can float. True or false? The answer to that is true. I know you wanted to know that. Yes, in fact, porcupines can float. Fourth question, true or false? Before becoming queen, Queen Elizabeth was a mechanic. Before becoming queen, Queen Elizabeth was a mechanic. True or false? The answer to question number four is true. Before she became queen, she was a mechanic. Question number five, are you doing well on your true or false quiz class? Question number five, true or false? Twinkies originally had banana filling. Banana filling, originally filled Twinkies, true or false? The answer to that is true. Question number six, second to last question, true or false? Elvis Presley 
had a twin brother. Elvis Presley had a twin brother, true or false? The answer to this true or false question is true. Yes, he had a twin brother who died at birth. And then finally, question number seven, true or false? Red M&Ms disappeared for a decade. True or false? Red M&Ms disappeared for a decade. The answer to the final question is true. They were banned in 1976 over concerns about red food dye, but they returned to the scene late in the 1980s. So we have seven true or false questions. And if you look back over your sheet originally, or perhaps your corrected sheet, you'll understand that all seven of those fun true or false questions was in fact true. All of these fun questions are true because I want us to consider this morning what Jesus has to say about true or false. In our text this morning, Jesus defines himself as the true gate, and he also defines himself as the true shepherd and the true son. So if you walk all the way through John 10, and we're not going to walk all the way through all of those verses, but I want us to consider all of what's going on in John chapter 10. Jesus in this text is true gate, true shepherd, and true son. And then he wants us to make sure from this text that we are true sheep. Jesus wants us to encounter him as a good shepherd. He wants us to think as he comes by the Spirit into our presence in your life as an individual, as the temple of God, and then as the gathered people of God. We, when we gather, are also called the temple. And then by the Spirit, God, through the humanity of his Son, dwells amongst us as our good Shepherd. So let's think for a moment about what the Bible has to say, because John wants us to be aware of different themes that are now being described as coming to their fulfillment in Jesus. The shepherd in the Old Testament was a royal title. It was a leadership title. The king of Israel, the leader of God's people, is often referred to as, be he a prophet, be he a priest, or be he a king. He is described as someone who is supposed to function as a shepherd functions with his sheep. Now, in a world of presidents, in a world of CEOs, in a world of chairmen of the board, that's a difficult idea for us to consider. Before I went into the ministry, I worked for two big companies. Out of high school and in some in college, I worked at Walmart. I believe David Glass was the CEO of Walmart. Working in toys, working in the garden center, working in electronics, working in hardware, working as a cashier. Spent a lot of time working for that company Never once did I meet the CEO. Worked for Bank of America shortly after, shortly before and shortly after you, Linda and I got married. Never met the president of the second or third largest bank in all of the world. In that kind of capitalistic environment, when we think of the leader, we never think of a shepherd 
with his sheep. Yet, God describes kings, God describes leaders, God describes the kings and leaders he sends to his people as a shepherd. In God's word, there is promise that one day a shepherd king is going to come from God. The prophet Ezekiel has a lot of hard words for the leaders of God's people under the old covenant. But then after disciplining with his words, those bad leaders, he gives them this promise. This is in Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as shepherds seek out their flocks. So as I'm reading this, notice the verbs. God says, as a shepherd does, I'm going to search for my sheep. I'm going to seek them out when they are among their scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered. So he will seek, he will search, he will rescue on a day of clouds and thick darkness, just like Psalm 23 talks about, we need a good shepherd when we are in the valley of darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them. So he will search, he will seek, he will rescue, he will gather, he will bring, he will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. Now he's going to describe in greater detail how he's going to feed them. Ezekiel 34, 14. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. So there has been people <clears throat> in the prophecy of Ezekiel, who have taken advantage of the sheep, who have not been good shepherds, and God promises to bring justice into that awful situation. And then now he's going to indict these poor leaders. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? So now he's talking to the shepherds who aren't looking after the sheep. But you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture. When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet? So he's talking here about shepherds who don't care for their sheep, who don't feed them, who don't know them, and who take advantage of them. So that's the situation in which God promises that there is a shepherd king who is going to come into a situation and he is going to be opposed by bad shepherds. Now, here's why that's important. In John 9 and in John 10, we basically have a single unit. And we must see that what Jesus says in our gospel text this morning is a response to the bad shepherding 
that Ezekiel 34 has described. That in John 9, we have Jesus being a good shepherd, looking after this man who was born blind, healing him. And then that creates this negative response from these bad shepherds. So now within the story of John 9 and John 10 together, we have the good shepherd comes and he faces us. He presents us with this question. Will you trust me? Will you believe for me to be your good shepherd? So in John 10, we have a story of faith and unfaith. We have a story that really spells out clearly what it looks like to trust the good shepherd. So let's consider first now what unfaith looks like. Un-faith. Yes, I made up that word. Unfaith. What does it look like? And again, we want to understand what faith looks like. What does unfaith looks like? Unfaith looks like trusting what you think you know. So look at verse 1 of John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, in John's gospel, that usually begins a discourse that is necessarily connected to the events that have just taken place. So when John wrote his gospel, he didn't set out and write chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. He wrote an unbreaking narrative. And he expects us to understand what Jesus is going to say in John 10 as carrying on and continuing from what has happened in John chapter 9. So if you look back at the end of John chapter 9, look at this unfaith that these Pharisees are exhibiting. Jesus said he's speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking to the man that he's just healed. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. That's the man born blind. That's the sheep in need of healing. And Jesus has healed him. That's what he came to do. But then what's happening is the people who think they can see, the people who don't have the glasses that Jesus, the kingdom glasses that Jesus is offering them, they don't realize they are blind. I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do not see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see your sin remains. This is concluding all of chapter 9, which began like this. They encounter a man born blind. And here's what happens. They think that means he sinned. Jesus comes to him and says, this isn't about someone's sin. And then he brings it full circle. And then now he's saying, it's you who can see physically, but can't see the things the way God sees them and the way Jesus sees them. You are now the ones who are blind. It's actually the ones who are blind who don't have sin. And it's the ones who go around blaming other people for their blindness who actually have the sin according to Jesus. You see, the Pharisees have unfaith 
because they are trusting what they think they know. So that's what kind of begins this, this text that we're familiar with in John 10. We're going to conclude with John 10, 18, but look at verse 19 of John 10. So again, the story begins with Jesus talking to them about how they see and they don't realize they're blind. The blind see and then are given sight by Jesus. Notice how it concludes, John 10, 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So again, this whole story is about blindness. This whole story is one of the things the shepherd, the good shepherd, wants to do for his sheep is help them to see what they think they aren't seeing. So look at how this unfaith works itself out. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 9. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. So the Pharisees are who think they can see, they can't find Jesus. They can't see Jesus. And the blind man who has been healed by him is like, all I know is he, I was born blind and now he made me see. I don't know where he is. He's willing to admit that he doesn't know. Verse 24 of chapter 9. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Verse 28, then they reviled him because they're sensing that he's going to want to follow this Jesus, who is what Jesus' sheep do. They follow him. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Verse 29, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. This is the blind man who now can see. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know, or perhaps there's some sarcasm here, we think we know that God does not listen to sinners. So you're perceiving that he's a sinner because in your minds he's not keeping the law of Moses. So you regard him as a sinner, and you think that that's the case, so he doesn't listen to him. But he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since, again, this is the blind man, has it been heard that anyone who opened the eyes of a person born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in your sins. And are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. They scattered the man in need of healing. They scattered the man whom Jesus healed. Why? because they were trusting, not in the good shepherd, they were trusting in what they thought they knew. They had their interpretation of the law of Moses, and Jesus, the good shepherd, whom Moses promised would come, 
violated what they thought they know. So they immediately wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But then they couldn't face the fact that there was this man in their midst who they knew to have been born blind and Jesus healed him. So what must they do? They must scapegoat him. They must scatter him. They must drive him out. So we want to be a people who trust the good shepherd, not who trust what we think we know, not who, not who trust our interpretation of scripture, but who trust the good shepherd. To know what faith looks like, we must know what the absence of faith looks like, what unfaith looks like. Well, unfaith, not trusting the good shepherd, looks like instead trusting what we think we know. Secondly, unfaith looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Again, 934. They answered him, you were born entirely in your sins. They're still thinking this man's blindness was because of some sin. And are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. They do exactly what the wolf does. They do exactly what the hired hand does in John chapter 10. They push him away. They scatter him. They kick him out of the synagogue. They get him to leave the sheepfold. So what does Jesus do? Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, John doesn't even give us time to realize that Jesus decides to find him. Jesus is a good shepherd. And bad shepherds have kicked him out of the, have kicked one of his sheep out of the synagogue. So immediately, John doesn't even tell us he decided to go look for him immediately when he found him. So this is John's way of describing. Here's what unfaith looks like. Unfaith looks like rejecting or ejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Look at verse 39. Jesus comes to expose this. You see, what these Pharisees are doing is they have their interpretation of the law of Moses, and they are looking so intently at the law of Moses. They are looking so intently at the scriptures and how they interpret them. They are using the scriptures to hide behind Jesus. They are using the scriptures to stay blind to what Jesus wants for them. The religious leaders are content with the written word of God without the living word of God. And this is the judgment of Jesus. You are blind if you use the scriptures to keep from obeying Jesus. What is Jesus calling us to do? to track down with him those he is tracking down. Unfaith, secondly, looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Unfaith, first, looks like trusting what you think you know. Secondly, unfaith looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Thirdly, unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, Amen, amen. Literally, chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, verses 1 to 6, 
Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold, and that's an image of the sanctuary, the synagogue, the temple, by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The one who goes in the front door is the one who belongs there. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So they're leaving what is comfortable. They're leaving what feels safe. Why? Because they mostly feel safe. They feel the most safe when they're with their shepherd. So they'll leave the security of the sheepfold to follow the good shepherd. Now again, keep in mind as you're reading this, what has just happened to the blind man? The, hire, the, 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 the hirelings, the wolves have, have, have cast him out of the sheepfold. And Jesus is like, that's not a deal breaker for me. It's wrong what they did, but I'm the good shepherd, and I'm going to leave this safety, and I'm going to go out where the wolves are. I'm going to go out where the Pharisees are. I'm going to go out at risk of my own life, and I am going to find this sheep. When he has brought out all his own, I'm in chapter 10, verse 4, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The strangers here are these Pharisees, these, these bad shepherds. And then John interrupts the dialogue to say, just in case you don't get it, verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. What is, what is described in that editorial comment is, they don't get that he's telling a story that's about them. That he's telling a story about them. So unfaith not only looks like trusting what you think you know, Unfaith not only looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down, unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus. The man who was born blind but healed, he ran from the strange voice of the Pharisees. And secondly, disobeying Jesus' voice looks like not leaving the fold with Jesus. You see, if this blind man wasn't one of Jesus' sheep, he would have rejected him and stayed in the perceived safety of the synagogue. But no, he understood that the synagogue was not his safety. He understood that the shepherd was his safety. But unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus. So that's three characteristics of unfaith. It looks like trusting what you think you know. It looks like rejecting those Jesus is trying to track down. It looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus. So now, fourthly, what does faith look like? Verse 7, so again, Jesus said to them, so the, 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 the editing is over. It's as if John has paused everything, and like Zach and Saved by the Bell, he looked at the camera and said, by the way, the Pharisees don't realize Jesus is talking about them. And then now everything begins again. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. These Pharisees who do things like 
blame other people, blame sin on everything, Bl blame what's wrong with the world, they scapegoat. But the sheep do not listen to them, just like the blind man didn't listen to them. They don't, the, the true sheep don't listen to these false shepherds. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Faith finds Jesus to be both protection and pasture, just like in Ezekiel 37. The good shepherd is going to provide a safe place, but then he's also going to provide them for a pasture. He's going to provide them with a, a, a way to leave the safety of the sheepfold and to go and find food outside the sheepfold. Beloved, trusting in Jesus as the good shepherd trusts him not only to protect us, from eternal danger, but to also feed us with his very flesh and blood. Beloved, we enter the life Jesus purchased for us through Jesus. We begin the life of faith through Jesus, but we not only begin it that way, we also sustain the life Jesus purchased for us through Jesus. We enter life, that the, the life that Jesus purchased for us through him, but we also sustain that life through him. Beloved, you just don't get into the family of God through Jesus. You sustain your life through Jesus. Paul said something very similar to this in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 where there were some bad shepherds who had wormed their way into, Coloss into the church at Colossae and wanted to say, yeah, you enter the life of faith through Jesus, but now we need to add these other rules and regulations to that life of faith. Paul says, no. He says this in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So what Paul says is something very similar, that, that, that Jesus is the gate, you enter the sheepfold through him, but then he's also going to lead you to find food outside the sheepfold. In other words, Jesus is the way you gain entrance into the church, but then Jesus is also the way you sustain that. So the church images of this are, are baptism and communion. Through baptism, we are identified with Christ and we're given a new identity. And then through communion, through the, through the bread from heaven and the cup of salvation, we sustain that identity. Unfaith looks like trusting what you think you know. Unfaith looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus and to hide even behind your interpretation of the scriptures to hear his voice. But faith, 
Faith looks like trusting Jesus to be, as our good shepherd, both our protection and our pasture. Beloved, he can be trusted as your good shepherd. Why? Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. Unfaith. Not trusting in the good shepherd looks like trusting instead in what you think you know. Unfaith looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus. But faith finds Jesus to be both my protection and my pasture. And then finally, faith finds Jesus to be devoted to other Finally, faith finds Jesus to be devoted to other sheep in at least two different ways. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 14. Now look at verse 16. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Beloved, faith in Jesus as the good shepherd finds Jesus to be as devoted to other sheep as he is to me. Beloved, do you understand that the sheep may be in church that you don't get along with? the sheep maybe who annoy you, the sheep whose smell bothers you more than your own smell, the sheep whose sin seems more in need of forgiveness than yours, do you understand that Jesus is just as devoted to them as he is devoted to you? You see, this is what was wrong with the Pharisees they couldn't believe that the Messiah was just as devoted to this man born blind, whom they blamed his blindness on some sin that he committed or his parents committed. So they were somebody who, that he was somebody they were comfortable pushing out of the sheepfold. And what they could not stomach is the fact that the good shepherd of Psalm 23 was just as devoted to him as he was to them. Faith finds Jesus to be devoted to other sheep, just as devoted as he is to me. But he's also just as devoted to me and just as devoted to them as the Father is devoted to the Son and the Son is devoted to the Father. Look at verse 15. So, coming on the heels of 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The knowing that is shared between Jesus the shepherd and we his sheep is the same knowing that the Father and the Son have shared for eternity. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. The Father does not take it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father, that the Father and the Son 
are equally by the Spirit devoted to this good shepherd ministry. Beloved, unfaith looks like trusting what we think we know. Unfaith looks like rejecting those Jesus is tracking down. Unfaith looks like refusal to hear the voice of Jesus, but faith finds Jesus to be both my protection and my pasture. Faith finds Jesus to be devoted to other sheep. Beloved, how much we trust the good shepherd is revealed by how devoted we are to the lost sheep to which he is devoted. Beloved, this text invites us to at least two responses. One, believe that all, believe that Jesus is drawing all people to himself. Believe that Jesus is drawing all people to himself. This image of Jesus laying down his life and taking it up again is referenced in a few chapters in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. That verb that's translated draw is the same verb that's used at the end of John's gospel in John 21 during this miracle catch of fish and this net of fish that is so overwhelmed with so many different kinds of fish that it's difficult to drag it to shore. Beloved, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God, by the Spirit, is seeking to drag all people to himself. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is drawing all people to himself? The sheep who annoy us, the spouse with whom we are experiencing conflict, our parents, our siblings, the cashier at the gas station, the person whose politics you disagree with, the person at work that you just hope isn't on your task team, do you believe that Jesus is drawing all people to himself? Beloved, believe the good news that Jesus is drawing all people to himself. Secondly, join Jesus in, in embracing those he is drawing. Join him. Don't fight against him. Join him in the drawing of all people to Jesus. Who is he drawing? Beloved, the text could not be more clear. And when I am lifted up from the earth will draw, drag all people to myself. Amen. Let us pray. Let God rise up and let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. 
As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, let the wicked perish before God, but let the righteous be joyful. Let them exalt before God. Let them be jubilant with joy. Christ is risen from the dead by death, conquering death, and to those in the tombs, granting life. Father, we praise you during this season of Easter, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, through his being lifted up on the cross, through his being lifted up as the resurrected king, he is doing that to reveal to us and to enact for us the narrative that God is, through Jesus, drawing all people to himself. We ask you to form us into a people who resemble the good shepherd who doesn't blame people's problems on sin, who instead of asking when we encounter difficulty, who instead of asking whose fault it is, we ask how can we help? May we be a church that resembles the good shepherd, used by the good shepherd to draw all sheep to the good shepherd. O God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name. and Follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us now pray together in the words that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. Again, we meet in person each Sunday at 10 a.m. I would love to welcome any of you to be a part of those in-person gatherings. I now invite you to receive this final benediction. And now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever, and all of us said together, Amen. May grace and peace and everything good be yours.